Welcome to the Niches You. My name is Matt Gottesman at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, and this is my daily podcast where I create short, quick hitting episodes to help you uncomplicate life, creativity, and the pursuit of your highest self. There's only main character energy here. Now let's get into it. Welcome to episode 187. You may not be lazy. You're just afraid to start. It is possible that that's what's going on. Uh, this comes from a uh, part of Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, which you've heard me now reference several times on the podcast. Uh, please reference the show notes, the recommended reading list. You will find the book in there. I highly recommend it. The Artist Way is not just about so any of you listening that are thinking, oh, I'm not an artist. We're all artists. If you're creating your life or wanting to create a life for yourself, you are an artist. You know, just like the same way I say that we're all entrepreneurs. <laughs> if you're managing your life, welcome to entrepreneurship. Um, so there was a quote in there where Julia Cameron had said, do not call the inability to start laziness. Call it fear. I really like that. And I'm going to read this section uh, she has from week nine about recovering a sense of compassion for yourself and what's going on with fear. And just to give you some you know, background context on this, talking a lot about um, sometimes the abandonment of the ideas that we had when we were much younger or the, you know, the creativity that we naturally all have. We're all creative in some ways. We are all creators because we were made at, as such when we, when we came down, right? So we're all creative in some capacity. Um, and it just depends on how you look at it. Now, uh, when we were younger, it is possible, and this is what she was referencing a lot. It's possible you were told, well, don't go in that direction, go in this one. Well, can you really ever make a living out of that? Well, you're not good enough. Well, um, maybe an art teacher or a piano teacher or a, um, or maybe a, a CPA professor, you right. Pick any profession, any background said, no, you know what? You know, don't, I wouldn't go in there. I don't think you're as good or I don't think you're this. If you're called, you're called, but you might have abandoned your calling at some point out of fear. And now maybe you're going through a season, it's possible, or maybe you've experienced this before where you thought, I want to start that. I want to start that. I want to start. I'll start next week. And we do this. We do this with exercise. We do this with our hobbies. We like we do this with things that we've always been drawn to, the things we used to do when we were younger or whatever it might be. We, we'll say, oh, I'll start again. I'll start again. I'll start when I get around to it, etc. right? You may not be lazy. You may be afraid to start. It's possible. And so I'm going to read an excerpt here from the book and uh, and I think we should discuss. And so that's what we're going to do. So uh, she says, one of the most important tasks in artistic recovery is learning to call things and ourselves by the right names. Most of us spent years using the wrong names for our behaviors. We have wanted to create and we have been unable to create and we have called that inability laziness. This is not merely inaccurate. It is cruel. Accuracy and compassion serve us far better. Blocked artists are not lazy. They are blocked. A blocked artist, just like I had mentioned a few minutes ago, as she referenced earlier in the book, uh, whether it's, you know, something that you're not carrying through on something you know you should be doing, you've got other circumstances in the way, uh, you're not feeling the flow of, of doing the work, even though you know you feel called, any number of reasons that make a blocked person, right? Being blocked and being lazy are two different things. The blocked artist typically expends a great deal of energy just not visibly. 
The blocked artist spends energy on self-hatred, on regret, on grief, and on jealousy. The blocked artist spends energy on self-doubt. Any of this ring a bell if you were going to be really, really honest with yourself? The blocked artist does not know how to begin with baby steps. Remember that part. We're going to come back to that because I'm going to do some journal prompts with you here at the end. Instead, the blocked artist thinks in terms of great, big, scary, impossible tasks, right? A novel, a feature film, a one-person show, an opera, right? So that also happens. You ever think, oh, well, I, I want to be the best in this or I want all, like, I can see how far it can go. And that in itself can talk you out of it. I know how, to a degree, how far some of the things I, I want to um, go in some of the areas. I, I, I know it. I can feel it. Um, but I'm also very flexible, so I don't allow too much bias to come in, right? But um, if I were to focus on the end result, I would never get anywhere. I have to take my steps now. And yes, <clears throat> you might be in that same position, and you have to take these steps now. And they're baby steps, and the rest of the world can't see it. And the rest of the world may think all kinds of things or may think nothing at all. Majority of the time, they're thinking nothing at all. But take those baby steps, right? Don't be, la you know, laziness may kick in, but maybe it's just fear. <clears throat> so she goes on to say, when these large tasks are not accomplished or even began, the blocked artist calls that laziness. There you go. Do not call the inability to start laziness. Call it fear. Fear is the true name for what ails the blocked artist. It may be fear of failure or fear of success. Most frequently is fear of abandonment. This fear has roots in childhood reality. Most blocked artists tried to become artists against either their parents' good wishes or their parents' good judgment. For a youngster, this is quite a conflict. To go squarely against your parents' values means you'd better know what you're doing. You'd better not just be an artist. You better be a great artist if you're going to hurt your parents so much. <clears throat> she doesn't mean it like that, obviously, but, you know, meaning like you'll show them, right? Parents do act hurt when children rebel. And declaring oneself an artist is usually viewed by parents as an act of rebellion. Unfortunately, the view of an artist's life as an adolescent rebellion often lingers many making any act of art entail the risk of separation and the loss of loved ones because artists still yearn for their creative goals. They then feel guilty. So a couple of quick things in here. Um, parents who act hurt when children rebel and declaring oneself an artist is usually viewed by parents as an act of rebellion. It's not just artists. And this is why I wanted to relate it to all of you. It's whatever you wanted to do that wasn't part of somebody else's plan. And it may not just be parents. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be general society, right? I had very loving parents. I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, they were very independent and they were very like, Hey, you'll figure it out. We want you to figure it out. I see how that's playing out now, <laughs> but <clears throat> you know, um, so it doesn't have to just be for like an artist. I just want you to know that when you see that. And then when she says, unfortunately, the view of an artist's life, or I'll say an alternative path, like doing something, you know, you, you want to go be a farmer instead of a CPA, or you want to be a sculptor instead of um, a doctor, whatever it might be. Right. Unfortunately, the view of an artist's life as an adolescent rebellion often lingers, making any act of art entail the risk of separation and the loss of loved ones. Because artists still yearn for their creative goals, they, they then feel guilty. Sometimes you can feel guilty for the things that you abandon that you know you should maybe be doing. That's natural. This is why, by the way, self-compassion is so important because it helps you bring you back to your reality, your real reality, right? to like who you've always been. A lot of people say, you know, they're trying to grow into something. I usually say you're trying to remember something or you're trying to return, right? Because we came in with these gifts. 
This guilt demands that they set a goal for themselves right off the bat and that they must be great artists in order to justify this rebellion. So with the guilt that she's talking about, so like maybe um, maybe you were told, you, you ever carry the chip on your shoulder where you're told, oh, you're not, you know, you better make this work or this better work out. And if you're going to choose this path, you know, and you've got only so much time before, you know, we demand that you, you know, go to school instead or whatever it might be. Right. And so in a way that also can psych us out when we're much younger, we can psych ourselves out because you can say, oh, I better make it. And if I don't make it, and then here's the worst part about that. At least this is just what's coming through for me. Here's the worst part about that. Now you're tying your worth to the end result and the goal, not the character you build from the process. That is huge because who you become in going after your thing is the, is the life you want to enjoy because your work is never done until you're done on earth. We'll always be, you know, growing and building ourselves. So I, I want you to remove any of that guilt or any of that attachment or that I'll show this person or, you know, wait till they all see what I ended up doing. You need to remove that. In my opinion, you need to remove that. Do it for you. Trust me. Do it for you. Because then you won't be concerned with all these external variables or time frames or even once the validation comes, you may end up not even liking the thing that you, you're called to do because you're tying so much of the worth to the external. Don't do that. The worth comes from inside and the process and grounding in the work. That's where like all of that worth comes from. So, and I'll, and I'll tell you, like, it's funny because even as I grow in a lot of my, my stuff and it, it takes notice from some people, I just say, thank you. And I just keep moving. I'm not concerned with some of those things that most people would go after. I don't want those things. I want to, I want to keep doing my path. I want to keep working with God. I want to keep creating. I want to keep serving, you know, and I want to keep doing good business the way I like to do it and good content and good writing and good art. I, and if I'm, if I'm growing naturally the way I want to grow, I don't have to be concerned with external validation or, you know, um, we've got our community right here. Right. So, all right. So then, uh, then she says the need to be a great artist makes it hard to be an artist. There you go. The need to produce a great work of art makes it hard to produce any at all, any art at all. Cause you're putting so much pressure on it better be this. I say it better be exactly what it needs to be all in its time. And you need to be an, an artist in the process. Always you're a student and a teacher at all times. Finding it hard to begin a project does not mean that you will not be able to do it. it means you will need help from your higher power, from supportive friends and from yourself. First of all, you must give yourself permission to begin small and go on baby steps. These steps must be rewarded. Setting impossible goals creates enormous fear which creates procrastination, which we wrongly call laziness. Again, I can't stress this enough. This is why I keep talking about the clarity workshop that I have in the show notes. It's a free workshop. If you're new to the podcast, please check it out. If you've been on the podcast, please check it out. And if you haven't already, the whole point of it is on one hand, it's great to have this vision of like, what is a good day for you look like? Um, and that's one of the exercises in there. But then the other exercise is like, how do you look at just one step now? Like, a, like take the next step, one step that's a goal. And it doesn't have to be anything grandiose, just a next step goal. How do you then create the actionable steps to, um, to do that, to create that next step? Meaning like, okay, like let's say, you know, um, you want to, you know, 
uh, lose two percent body fat or something like that. I don't know. I'm I'm using something that I used online as a goal right for this year. Uh, it was more like four percent body fat um, from where I was at. And so then I just I knew, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew three three categories, uh, three priorities that would help do that. And then I established what would be those tasks for that next step. And that was it. It wasn't like I was looking at. I better be this type of body and I better have this kind of, you know, physique because I, I only care more about the process. I care about healthy living. So and I want to enjoy the process. And so should all of you. So she says, do not call procrastination laziness. Call it fear. Fear is what blocks an artist. The fear of not being good enough. The fear of not finishing. The fear of failure and of success. The fear of beginning at all. There's only one cure for fear. That cure is love. Use love for your artist to cure its fear. Stop yelling at yourself. Be nice. Call fear by its rightful name. So again, you know, I know I use the example about the take the next step. Um, for me, uh, it was also writing a book uh, and it'll be hopefully out here next year. Uh, there's two books I want to do, but I'm working on the first one. And I just took all the steps, you know, where I said, all right, you know what? Every Thursday morning for an hour, let me just re like see where the book is at and let me, you know, set some time aside. So I'm always putting things in there. And then I also said, all right, another cool next step is every time I know I, I want to add something to it, let me have it readily available so I can, um, the notes um, online, so I can just uh, easily uh, add to it. And that's it. Now, what happened is six months, you wake up six months later and you're like, wow, there's a lot of this stuff done. It's those little steps. Don't be afraid of those little steps. Now, a couple of journal prompts I want to give you here, you know, going down the stretch. First of all, I want you to ask yourself this. What do you feel guilty about from not doing when you were younger? Like what you were doing when you were young and you loved doing it, maybe not doing it anymore. Or maybe in more recent years, you stopped doing something in particular. What do you feel guilty about that you stopped? Like what was it that you were doing? There's a signal in there. There's a message in there because there, that may be tied to something very important for you. And don't dismiss it being so what you think may be irrelevant in the world or, um, you know, maybe that's not a, a, an avenue or a path that you can take. I wouldn't say that. Again, I've said on other podcast episodes, there are literally people like going online, creating YouTube channels. As, uh, as I mentioned in that one podcast episode that Casey Neistat said, his friend who ha does an entire YouTube on fish tanks. That's right. You can literally do anything you want. <laughs> Welcome to the creator economy. <laughs> so, you know, think about like, what do you feel guilty uh, about from not doing what you used to do that you really love to? What do you feel guilty most? Do you feel guilty that you're not doing it? Do you feel guilty um, that you're not giving it any more time? Do you feel guilty that you abandon it? Wh what do you feel guilty about? Write it out. It's okay. Write it out. Like observe it, you know? Don't just push it under the rug. Like actually observe it. Second question. What do you love about what you love? Like you know what I mean? Like wh whether it's something that you feel always feel called to or something that you've always been um, just <clears throat> you just have such a strong relationship with it. Maybe it's been a strong passion of yours, a strong hobby of yours. Um, anything that you always feel so called to, what do you love about it? And that's why I said, what do you love about what you love? One, I think it's important to um, to reflect on that. Two, I love how in the book she said, use love for your artist to cure its fear. Like, if you look at the thing that you want to go back to doing or you want to do in general that you feel most called to do and you're not really doing it out of, you know, fear, out of 
you know, fear of failure, fear of whatever, starting, you know, not having enough time, not getting it right, whatever. Fine. What do you love about what you love versus worrying about the fear of, you know, that comes from not doing it? What do you love about it? Because this is important for the, third, the next question, the follow-up question, which is how can you honor and respect it if you were to do more with it or more of it? How can you honor and respect it? Everything good deserves your respect. I, I mean, everything in general deserves your respect and you deserve respect right back. But what I'm saying is that the things that call you most, instead of looking at it as like, oh, I need to start, I need to start, I need to start. Think about it like this. It's a beautiful gift and a blessing of foresight, of insight, of intuition, of something you should be doing. Can you honor it by showing up and saying, you know what? Let me explore this and give it its rightful attention and energy. Can you do that? That will bleed over into every area of your life, not just the thing you're called to. It could also be your relationship. It could also be your health. It could also be your finances. It could also be your mindset. It could be your art. It could be anything. Do you understand? That's honor and respect. That's showing up to something and saying, let me give it the proper present attention and energy. Even if it's just one next step, how can you love, honor, and respect something you love? How, you know, so that way, if you were to do more with it, right? What would, what would that, what would doing more with it look like? And the reason I ask that is because the final question, which is what is the immediate next step? Just pick one next step. So maybe it's like, you know what? I think it's just showing up to the gym or, you know what? I think it's just getting the supplies I need to, um, you know, paint the, the art or make the sculpture, sculpture, sculpture. So what that means then is like, all right, so your next step would be to go to the store to get some supplies. Cool. Do nothing else today. You just get that. And you're like, all right, cool. Today I got the supplies. Then tomorrow it's like, you know what? Maybe I'll look at, um, you know, research some things that I would like to paint. And that's then tomorrow. Then what's the next day? And after that, it's, you know, all right, you know what? I think I'm going to sketch on the canvas. See, now what's happening is you're only focused on the immediate next step. You've removed all this pressure of, oh, I know I'm a great artist, but it's going to be years, but it's going to be this. Stop psyching yourself out. What is the next step? Then do that step. Then ask yourself, what's the next step after that? That is what we call a life. You may not be lazy. You're just afraid to start. I appreciate you tuning into every single episode. We're cruising. Lots of good, uh, lots of downloads this month already. We might beat our record, so I so appreciate you. Please share this with somebody if you think that they need to hear it. Um, you never know. Uh, I, I often hear from a lot of people online, oh, thank you for this, the timing. It's like you're reading my mind. How do you know? You, you know, the timing every time. And you know what I, I think of is, what if we all did that for somebody? So share this with somebody that you think right now, just maybe one person, that this could be helpful for. I appreciate you guys tuning in each and every single episode. Please leave a five-star written, excuse me, written review on Apple as well as a five-star review or five stars on Spotify. It helps expand the awareness of the show. I will start reaching out if I have to one by one <laughs> and just ask you guys to do, do it. It really does help the show. That's why I'm, I'm so grateful that you guys do so. 
and I uh, just appreciate you tuning in. Please check the show notes. There in there is the Clarity Workshop. There's also the recommended reading list. Julia Cameron's book, the book that I just was reading out of, is in that recommended reading list. I do see that you guys are clicking on that, by the way. And then, of course, uh, my signature masterclass, which I'm going to be adding some more things to it here uh, um, uh, in the next month or so. Write, design, build. Please check that out, especially if you are trying to organize your creativity and start putting it out there and also start growing and doing all those things. I got you. I uh, appreciate you guys as always. And until next episode, I'm out. All right, that's it. We'll stop there for right now. I hope you found this helpful and applicable in some way. I want you to remember, you do not need to fit in and you certainly do not need to fit into some category or title nor be put into some box. The niche is you. It always has been. Please share this with a friend and be sure to leave a rating and review. Your feedback means everything to me. And also, thank you for listening and supporting me. If you're new and you want to receive these the moment they come out, please text me 480-530-7352. Text me podcast. I promise to only send you the good stuff. Thank you. And until next time, I'm out.